I will not make you say a single thing. No, you don't have to say anything. And Britta, come on up. I will not make fun of you either. I just need you to help me. And you can sit right here. And you're going to hold this for me, Amy. Oh, we'll let Jared do it. That's perfect. We need a, I was just thinking, we've had all women helping, so it's nice to see a young man. So you're going to hold this one. All right, so here's what we're doing today. It's transfiguration, but it really is a connection to what's happening next, and I don't want us to forget that. I want to start here, though. We have been in the season of Epiphany, right? We've been there since Christmas. It was like January 12th or something, I think, like that, the first uh, Sunday of Epiphany, and that's what we've been doing the last six or seven Sundays. In the season of Epiphany, we have been remembering God's glory, right? God's light coming into the world, God revealing God's self to us through Jesus Christ. And this year in particular, we were talking about the greatness of God. That was kind of our epiphany theme that we had going. So I'm just going to take it back. I almost feel like when I was doing this sermon this week, I'm almost feeling like a teacher for those of you who are teachers today. It's review Sunday, right? And preparing for the next unit or season. But you may remember back to that very first Sunday of Epiphany, you got a star. And we were remembering our baptism as well because we remembered when Jesus was baptized too. And on that star, you were invited to write down the greatest obstacle in your life that keeps you from living fully as a child of God, living fully as a disciple into your life of faith. And then you gave that obstacle up and you came up and remembered your baptism at the font. And you were reminded that God is always going to be greater even than our own greatest obstacles, right? And then the next Sunday we talked about uh, where this congregation is going. And if you remember, I might have said to you, I did say to you, I don't know, right? But what we know is God's out ahead of us. And we know more today than, we, than I knew a few weeks ago. You'll hear that at the annual meeting because we did have a retreat last weekend. And we have some goals now for the coming year. But wherever we're going, we said God's out there and God is greater than all of us. God's greater than you. God's greater than me. And all of us put together, God is still greater than that. And then we talked about how God calls out to us within that greatness. I shared with you one Sunday some of my own call story about following this path toward ministry, not having the foggiest idea why I was doing it or what was going to happen. But we're all called out of and into the ways in which we're living in all of our lives, no matter what we do and how we do it, whether we're still working or in school or retired, God calls us right? To be disciples. And God calls us out of God's greatness, God knowing what God desires for each of us. Then one Sunday, we talked about the theology of the cross, where we talked about how God's foolishness is greater than our, the most wisdom that we can possibly have. And God's weakness is stronger than all of human strength. It sounds inside out and upside down, and we talked about that, but that's true for all of God's greatness. And then finally, last week, some of you, I'm sure, still remember, yes and, right? We have God's law put in place for us humans for very good reasons, but God is still greater than the law. And God reminds us to go, not just to keep the law, but to go beyond the law and to look to have relationships if they're falling apart, to be reconciled to one another and to learn how to love 
and care for our opponents, our enemies, and to do that with a yes-and kind of attitude. And now today, it's transfiguration. You heard the gospel reading, and it's about God's coming to us in his glory and in his might. At the same time, I'm going to let you hold on to this too. Can you do that for me? We are foreshadowing, right, what's to come. And this is what's to come. Over the next 40 days, we are going to be looking at what's to come. And this is the cross. This is what's ahead of us. Whether we like it or not, whether we see, uh, whether, whether we can uh, appreciate, perhaps, the suffering and the pain and the death in the cross or not, this is what's before us. And as we move from Epiphany into the season of Lent, and ultimately we're moving to Good Friday, it's important to remember how they're connected, right? And you can't have one without the other. So for just a moment, I'm going to stand back so you can fully just look at Britta and Jared and the cross and the glory. Now Jesus took three or so disciples up on the mountain. They think it's Mount Tabor. Right, Sarah and Greg, wherever you are, they don't know for sure, but it's a high mountain. Jesus was crucified, not on a mountain, but certainly on a hill, Golgotha, outside the walls of Jerusalem. And from both places, you would have been able to stand up and look out and see. In the case of the uh, transfiguration, you would have been looking out over the Galilean region, beauty, verdant, green, you know, just beautiful, beautiful um, uh, geography and topography. And from the hill outside the city gates of Jerusalem, you would see kind of the bulwark, the, the city itself, the city walls and gates, the valleys that kept people, that kept that city safe from intruders and everything else, and you would have been able to see for miles. Those aren't the only comparisons that we can make. Remember Jesus and on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was there shining, right? His clothes were all white. He looked like an angel. He, his appearance was probably too bright. They would have had to shade their eyes to even see him. And then we have Jesus on the cross. His clothes have been stripped from him. And he's beaten and bloody. And the soldiers are at the foot of that cross gambling over his clothes. Two remarkably different visions of Jesus Christ. At the transfiguration, he is flanked by Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. He carries with him all of Israelite history and standing and understanding of God's covenant with God's chosen people. And there is power and might in those two people standing next to him. And on the cross, he's flanked as well, isn't he? By two, should we call them criminals or... Bandits, thieves, two people who were probably probably being put to death because they were rising up against um, the, the authorities, rising up against their oppressors. On Mount Tabor, there was a bright cloud that came and overshadowed the scene. At the cross, darkness came over the entire land. On Mount Tabor, Peter blurted out, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. This is so wonderful. God, let's just, Jesus, let's just stay here forever. At the cross, Peter was nowhere to be found. 
because he was hiding in guilt and shame because of the way in which he had denied Jesus. At the mountain, there is a voice from heaven saying, this is my wonderful son. This is the son of God. God himself speaks from the clouds. At the cross, it's a pagan soldier who doesn't even believe in God, who looks up at that broken body and says, truly, this was the son of God. The mountaintop of transfiguration explains the hill of the crucifixion and vice versa. We cannot have one without the other. We need them both side by side to truly understand God's greatness. We have to learn to see the glory in the cross, and we have to learn to see the cross in the glory of God as well. And then that rope that these two kind people are still holding between them, thank you very much, is the journey that you and I are going to take, right? On Wednesday, we start that journey with Ash Wednesday. And we'll journey these next 40 days to the cross. And our theme, appropriately enough, is the wilderness. Next Sunday, we'll hear about Jesus being in the wilderness. And we, too, ourselves, are sometimes in the wilderness, right? We don't know where this journey takes us. You can see sometimes I have knots or sometimes it's a good journey and it's straight. And sometimes it's got ups and downs and hills and valleys. And that's the journey that all of us take. And God, of course, is journeying with us as well. So that rope symbolizes that journey. But for today, are you guys with me for a little while longer? You're okay? All right. For today, let's spend time with transfiguration and remembering indeed what that means. That is the question, right? What exactly does the transfiguration mean? And I'm going to give you my honest answer, which is, I don't know. Right? There's a lot of theology that comes in the transfiguration, a lot of things that we can talk about. But I also believe there's a lot of mystery in all of that about how God is made known to us and what God wants us to understand about God. And I think sometimes what God prefers to keep hidden from us. And in today's world, we don't like a lot of mystery, but I think mystery is important to grasp and to hold on to. And so I invite you today into the mystery of that transfiguration. I do like one of the things that N.T. Wright said about this. He's a pretty uh, uh, famous, I was going to say, very prolific theologian. And he says that the transfiguration has to be true because you can't make a story like that up. And that's true about the Bible in general as scholars look at what literally actually happened and what might be a story that helps proclaim the truth. And they often say the stranger the story, the more likely it was to actually be factually true because you're not going to make those kinds of stories up. So let's assume the transfiguration, even if we don't fully understand it, is actually true. What does that mean for us as well, right? I'm going to bet that many of you as well have had moments in your lives when you have been transformed or when you have experienced God in, uh, in a way of wonder and awe that's difficult to talk about. And I would bet there's people here who have never talked about such an experience. 
Sometimes we experience God in a way that is so strange or so difficult or you're not even sure what happened that we keep quiet about it. Those moments often come and go very, very quickly. Just in a moment, just like it happened, Peter's like, let's, you know, let's build three tents and I'll stay here. And suddenly Moses and Elijah are gone and they're on the ground in fear, not even sure what happened to them. They come and they go and we begin to second guess ourselves. Maybe I didn't really experience that. Maybe I, I don't, ah, that must have been nothing. And we put it aside and we forget about it. Or I would bet there's things that have happened to you you haven't even noticed because we didn't want to pay attention to them because in some ways perhaps they were too frightening. Maybe it was a time when you were in great despair or anxious about something or, or, or worried and suddenly for no reason at all a sense of calm came over you. Somehow you were at somebody's sickbed perhaps and you didn't know and suddenly you knew it was going to be okay before a doctor ever came back in and gave you that news in a time of unknown. Somehow you still was like, it's going to be okay. I just, I just have this feeling, right? I just have this sense. Or a time of great worry and suddenly you have just a sense of calm that comes over you and you don't know where it came from. Or maybe you've had a moment in your life where you've sensed a presence, somebody with you, and you wouldn't, there was nobody there, or you weren't sure, but you just felt like you weren't alone, even in the moment before you had felt so alone. Or maybe you've had a time when a word or a phrase has popped in out of your head, and, and you, it happened so quickly, you're not even sure if you heard it right, but you don't know where it came from. A voice says something, and you're like, was that my brain? What was that? But it was a word or a phrase that you needed in that moment. Or maybe you suddenly find tears on your face, and you don't know why you're crying. They've just come, and you don't know why, but they're there. Or maybe a Bible verse comes to you, or a phrase from a hymn, or a part of a prayer that Grandma taught you a long time ago. And again, you don't know where it came from. It just comes into your brain. But if you pay attention to it, you're like, oh, I needed that word of hope or encouragement or love or whatever it was at that moment in time. Maybe it's a dream where someone comes and speaks to you and it was Again, a word that you needed to hear. Or maybe it's one day when you're just tooling along on the road and not paying any attention or again thinking about things that you've got to do and get it done and suddenly the clouds open up, right? And the sun shines through and it stops you in your tracks and you were like, whoa, it looks like God's self right there. And it just stops you for a moment. Or perhaps you've been someplace, someplace unknown to you. And the same thing, suddenly the scenery before you just sends chills down your spine because you could, you would, could never have guessed that the world can be as beautiful as it is. Or maybe it's in a moment of silence. And suddenly what you've been pondering for days becomes clear to you. Moments of awe can touch our hearts and we don't quite know what they are and we don't quite know what to do with them and maybe we even forget about them or we hide them away. But once in a great while, if we are with someone that we really, really trust, we might share that moment with them. 
I believe those are moments of transfiguration. Those are moments in which we might see the glory of God and we take that experience and we carry it with us. And we take it and we carry it with us along here, right? Into the wilderness. And those kinds of experiences can sustain us then when life gets difficult and when life is hard and we're at our moments of the cross. Suffering and pain and uh, disappointment and death itself. And we carry the moments of awe, the moments of wonder with us in order to, to meet God here and to know that God is with us here in this moment as well. When we're here, it's an opportunity to look back and remember God's beauty and love and grace. And because of that, we can face these times as well. And then remember, too, what Jesus said to the disciples on Mount Tabor that day. As they fell to the ground in awe and wonder, he told them, get up. Get up and don't be afraid. Wherever we are, are on our journey as well, God says the same thing to us. Get up. Get up and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You're going to hear that in the song that we're about to sing in just a moment. The, the, the song talks about the promise of God that we can trust. That no matter what, God's going to carry us. In this case, the song talks about carrying us to the shore, right? No matter what, no matter what our troubles, no matter our difficulties, God's going to carry us. And so get up and do not be afraid. Let's sing. And thank you, Britta and Jared.